The Star Wars Hotel, they are booked up through August. No, no, I'm that April. But after that, there's like nothing, like, like yeah. nobody at all. And they, because they have lost a bunch of reservations that have canceled, uh, not due to COVID, not due to anything like that. Also, it's because they put out that really bad commercial, basically. Well, I heard, well, I didn't hear, but I was just reading that it has more to do with their cancellation policy. So oh. if you cancel after 90 days, you only get a 50% refund. So I think people are booking and then because COVID has gotten so bad, they're canceling so they can still get a full refund before the, you know, it, they hit that 90 day window. Once you go past your 90 days, then it's 50%. And if you hit 30 days, it's zero. You don't get any money back if you cancel. I like Todd's story better. I do too. <laughs> I, yeah. Cause that was a bad commercial. Let's face and it. it and it didn't look like the bits of that you did see of the star cruiser didn't really look that spectacular. Like it didn't seem like it was up to the Disney quality of Imagineering. It's not like, for the money, right? Yeah. It, it's for the money. Yeah, absolutely. Because I mean, if you go to galaxy's edge, I've only been to the one in Disneyland, but the amount of detail is incredible. Like oh, yeah. it, no matter where you look, but just from what I saw, in that commercial and then the comments that followed the commercial which most of the time i don't pay attention to those but a lot of people were just sitting there going um it doesn't look like much other than a hotel that they put some decorations on to kind of make it look like a star cruiser and i'm like i'm hoping that's not that's disappointing. A, a, yeah okay. I, i'm hoping that it's, it's not a a good example of what the whole thing's going to look like maybe they're trying to keep the majority of what it actually looks like under wraps so that people will have some element of surprise when they actually do show up. But I'm kind of with some of the comments I read. I was like, I'm going to wait until I see some of the early reviews before yeah. I think about booking a, a vacation. They're going to need to do a soft open and they're going to need to really bring it like, wow, people like crazy and then get the word out that way before a lot of people will be, uh, we'll have the faith in Disney again to be able to drop that kind of cash. I mean, I know I will. What made you lose faith in Disney to drop that kind of cash? I that's a lot of cash. It's Disney. It's a lot of cash. <laughs> you can't just say it's Disney because yeah, it's Disney. Okay, I, I I will give a certain amount of cash to Disney, but that much cash. Eee. So you Maybe. and I have different levels of of. Of faith in Disney. Yes. Yes, we absolutely, <laughs> yeah, absolutely do have different levels of faith in Disney. I so think right. they should comp Geek Shock in so we could give them mad reviews and then they our audience will just comp us in as press. That'll just blow it right off the hinges. Oh, they used to do that at Comic Con. Not so much anymore. <laughs> I mean, 10 years ago, Deb, I would have agreed with you on that. It's like, okay, it's Disney. It's going to be spectacular. But. The amount of cost cutting they've been doing across the board over the last five years under JPEG and the it seems like the amount of detail that they're losing, uh, they're losing a lot of their 
long-term Imagineers, it seems like it's gotten to be more of a cash grab than a cash-for-value exchange. So I'm starting to see, you know, prices keep going up for the tickets, and there's no extra value added to it. Mm. So I'm just, I'm struggling to, if I didn't already have the, the magic key, which... That whole reservation system is a whole nother tragedy in and of itself. You know, where now people with magic keys have, even though we were limited in the amount of dates we could book prior to, now they're trying to minimize the amount of people that can book on any given day to prioritize people buying the more expensive single and two-day passes. So you can't just go book and show up anymore. You have to really hunt and really think about when you want to go and get it booked as soon as you even think about it months in advance. I want to go back to their commercial, uh, for lack yeah. of a better word. Uh, <laughs> Teaser. It Was it, though? Um, I think the big issue I had with it, and I think what really rubbed a lot of people the wrong way, is yes, the things that they showed was not that impressive. But they did it in that style that they used to show off new things at Disney World and Disneyland where they used to do specials in the 80s and 90s on television. Where it would be like, hi, Imagineer. Hi, special guest. What do you have today? And it was just really just a really cheesy, overly scripted throwback. It was was inauthentic, too. It didn't feel like they were both genuinely excited to be showing off the thing. Well, none of them were. All of those going back, when they did that style of showcase, they all had that scripted, I'm acting excited because I'm paid to act excited role. I can do that. My fear... Kirsten, you are is that. that... <laughs> My fear is that it ends up being like the beginning of Star Trek The Experience. Not everyone who works on a thing like that is a Star Trek fan, you know? And so not everyone who works on this opening thing is a Star Wars fan, and it shows because, uh, for, for example, um, there's some wine downstairs at Jeff's place, like the Klingon blood wine, and I was noticing this today. Uh, the label's all skewed and stretched. These tiny little details like that bring you right out of the thing and say, oh, well, clearly this is just some company that just slapped a label as a Star Trek on it. That's what I'm afraid of with this thing, that they just slapped Star Wars on it, you know? That they didn't put the the detail they didn't put the attention to detail into it. Do you and mean it shows in in the commercial? Oh, okay. All right, well, let's bring I, everybody in. Hi, welcome to Geek Shock, everybody, number six hundred and twenty. I am Master Torgo. Eighties Jeff. Commander K. Vlarg. And Deb. And we're here to talk Week and Geek, and we're talking about Disney's new fancy space hotel. Uh, Kirsten, uh, you were about to say something. No, I, I, I was going to ask uh, Barry if he meant the commercial or or the hotel itself. Because it's, it's sort of, I mean, I haven't been there, you know, unlike, say, April, who's been there 10,000 times, right? But Galaxy's Edge, why would there be this difference between what they've done with Galaxy's Edge and the hotel? I don't it, it it's it's it strikes me as kind of weird, if you know what I'm saying, that they're going to have the one thing that is so amazing 
but then the hotel for some reason. And I'm not saying that you're wrong, Barry, but rather what would account for that if that's the case? What the fuck happened? Well, okay. Let's let's take that a step back. Is Galaxy's Edge super amazing? It's pretty cool, you know, but there are details that you tend to, you start to see when you've been there like three times, four times, like like Deb and I have. You start to see you start to see the cracks, you know. Star Trek: The Experience, yeah, it had cracks as well. And again, this is one of those very unique things that we have insight into because we worked at the experience that that not a lot of people do. Uh, you you see it in retail because I go to uh, Galaxy's Edge and they have like the different shops, but there were less things in those shops this time than there were the last time I went and. Well, and less like customizable. So when when Galaxy's Edge first opened, they had some toys. I I totally called it because I used to work in stores, right? So you can tell Disney tries really hard at the beginning. And then they standardize. And they do it with their merchandise quite a bit. So they had some very unique toys that they sold when they first opened Galaxy's Edge. And now there's more toys that are just kind of standard stuffed animals and things that people would, you know, that more generic type people like they're well-rounded uh, they're not the toys that are focused for star wars fans like they have when they first opened so they used to have like these wood uh, replicas of tie fighter x-wing like some of the other ships and stuff i actually bought a couple of them they don't sell those anymore they had more figures that looked like hand kind of created and made they don't have those anymore things that would help you get into the mindset of you being on batu which is the world it, uh, right. that they, they should they, they don't cater that. to the masses. Yeah. So now they're trying I, to cater to the masses. Now, I saw some of those things that you're talking about, Deb, when I was at the Disneyland Galaxy's Edge just back in September. So are you talking about Disney World? or? Yeah. Okay, because I, I felt like, I mean, granted, I've only been to Disney World once, but I did feel like Disney World gen- has a lot more general merchandise than Disneyland does. So I wonder if that's an active it's, choice. So they're both pretty on par with each other in these days. They sell pretty much the same thing, just different labels. And if you'll notice, a lot of times the labels don't even differ between Disneyland and Disney World anymore. They just right. say Disney Resorts. Well, that could that could be a, um, a drop-off in the uh, fan the fan spending versus their generics. Because that happened to Star Trek retail towards the end. Oh. I remember people shitting kittens... When uh, I think I, I can't remember which retail manager brought it in, but they had little, basically lightsaber keychains. I know which yeah. manager brought that. Yeah. <laughs> so so it it you know it was sort of uh, well I, I mean maybe after a certain amount of time, the the fan spending drops off and they have to make that switch. But when well, they it, make that switch, that's the death knell right yeah, there. Yeah, well, well, okay, but I do rec- recall hearing from retail people that when they started getting more generic in their stuff, it actually helped their sales. Yeah, it, it helped, did. But keep in mind, they were they were chasing a high that they had since the first, like, three years because Star mm-hmm. Trek The Experience had the highest per square foot retail area highest grossing per square foot retail area in all of las vegas for the first like three years and then it started to dip and then they tried new things and they tried new things and eventually they're they're selling crap 
you know, and eventually all the stores are selling the same goddamn thing, and there's no differentiation between the stores. Oh yeah, and that's that's the death knell right there. I just hope that star that the uh, the Star Wars thing doesn't doesn't do. I say I say the Star Wars thing, like I'm not a fucking fan, but I just can't remember the name of it. I, I hope that. Oh, uh, what a fan. what a fan! Galaxy. <laughs> I hope, I'm hoping Galaxy's Edge doesn't do that. <laughs> well, it's, it it. It is interesting too, because when they did start selling that quote-unquote junk at uh, at Star Trek, though, um, the profit margins on those things were pretty high, and just like Kirsten said, all the retail associates told me it sold really well, especially yeah. like with younger children. Yeah. They were like, "Ooh, mommy, daddy, buy me blah blah blah." That because you know, kids they... just look at like, is it a flashy light? And then retail owners are like, "Ooh, I could buy this from Oriental Trading for nothing." Okay. Well, yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, I mean that you're right, Barry. But nevertheless, the the yeah. money was there. I heard that 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 actually saved retail. And we went through different transitions towards the end, where it was food and beverage or retail, and then they were together as one department, where they were really saving us. Operations managed some kind of profit, but eventually the money was in retail and food and beverage that's where we were that's where we were drawing in the profit well we were <laughs> we were never not profitable in the restaurant we were yep. we were profitable from day one always yeah. all the way through to the end so well, it wouldn't surprise yeah. me operations was too chiefly uh, at towards the end because of of uh, uh, the tours the the behind right. the behind the scenes tours were a major cash cow. And back when we had uh, Lisa Warren there, I only bring up her name. I know it's inside baseball, but she actually was so good at selling them. She was outpacing everybody. And eventually her commissions started to rival the general manager's salary. <laughs> and they actually changed the commission scale and screwed her and she left. And our uh, tour sales dropped good uh, but but they, they you know even even with that they still they still kept operations in the black even if it was by a bit but yeah retail and food and beverage towards the end there they were the ones they were the oh, ones yeah. bringing in and retails all those little tchotchkes and things you know the star trek okay. build a bear uh, well, well the point is star wars I'm I'm going to be I'm still going to be cautiously optimistic about the Galactic Star Cruiser. It's Disney. You know they're going to try and make up for all that. You know they pay attention to all that stuff online. So, let's just wait and see. And if right. we have to change our Kofi goal, by all means, we can change <laughs> it. There are submarines to buy. Exactly. Yes. Well, I don't. I don't know that we have to change our goal. We just have to make sure the monkeys hit it, and we get moving on it before ninety days. Uh. <laughs> okay, everybody, welcome to a brand new year. Oh my god! <laughs> yeah, it's been. A, when's this year over? Second first, same as the first. God damn. Um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, but here we are, brand new year, and nothing's freaking changed. 2020 episode shows. three, <laughs> Revenge of the COVID. Yeah. Yes. Like the whole uh, world will fire still. It, uh, and, it is 2022, as in 2022. Her, her, her. <laughs> oh, That's my. good. 
Uh, and before anybody reads into anything that was said there, no one here has COVID. We're doing an internet show out of abundance of caution because uh, some of us work in Las Vegas, and Las Vegas is a fire pit. So, yeah. fuck this fucking town. So this is I, just out of abundance of caution. I want to I want to I want to apologize to one of our tier five uh, uh, monkeys who I owe cookies to, and I have not been able to get it to him because of the fear of COVID. So sorry, Leon Mitt. <laughs> I anyway, speaking, cookies. Uh, speaking of tears uh, first of all all you Kofi members thank you so much and if you're not a Kofi member thank you for listening and sharing the show it means everything to us this it is time again to give away a mini this month I painted a silver skulls space marine official Warhammer 40k merch and, uh, and you know what I, I did something on this I thought I would never do on on a frankly on a space marine ever and i ended up doing some freehand painting on this guy really oh. yeah because i thought i had a transfer sheet uh for all the different uh space marine chapters and it turns out i only have a transfer sheet for chaos space marine and this one is definitely not a chaos space marine and what they have the a very sheet? A transfer sheet, if you're a model builder, it, the transfers are the things that you dip in water and it transfers over an image onto a a flat or rounded surface. Oh, so like a symbol for them or something. Exactly. So you, 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 got, you got, there is stuff for that that's small? Yeah, there Jesus. is. Jesus. Do you paint over it? Is it kind of like a, a stencil or it actually? No, it, like it, it actually transfers uh, from one to another. A lot of the, the things that make the really nice like Star Trek models and Star Wars models. And I'm talking the model ships, the bigger stuff, the plastic model kits that right. make them really look good when they're at the end is all those transfers that it comes with because they're usually very, very detailed. And you get them wet and you move it onto there and make sure there's no bubbles. And all of a sudden you have high detail. Huh. And so they make them for a lot of stuff in Warhammer as well, because high detail makes you, you don't have to paint. But again, there was no image for this silver skulls and they have a very specific looking skull. And I'm like, well, I, I, I'm going to give it a shot. And I gave it a goddamn shot, and it worked. I, I I can't believe I was able to pull that skull off in any semi-decent way, but I was able to do it. So whoever's getting this model is going to get not only a painted model, but a little free hand on the shoulder. So, okay, Torgo, you're cutting yourself short. That is a that's a really awesome drawing. Yeah, if you're not on the uh, Discord, go to Torgo's painting corner and look at that model. That is fucking amazing. Wow. I think I also threw it up on Shock Monkey's lair too. So yeah, I was very happy how it turned out. Man, but now let's good. find out who actually gets this. Somebody, one of our tier four members and above, and I'm pulling out of the group now. Who is the winner? The winner this month, tier three. Mohan Nair. Mohan Nair, thou hat won. Yay! Yay! You're a winner. Winner is you. <laughs> Winner, 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 chicken chicken dinner. Dinner. So let me get all that information together. I'll be reaching out to you, and then we'll get it to you. Moving on from that, all this month we have been running the promotion for the Citadel of the Fallen, the, the J.R. Conkle series, the Fallen series. Last month. 
Oh, yeah, last month. Yeah. At this point, Jesus, yeah. It's, it's 2022. We have a finishing on that. In fact, uh, he sent us an email, which I want to read to uh, all the monkeys right now. He said, I wanted to take a moment to thank all of you, the hosts and listeners to this very fine podcast. I didn't know what to expect when Mad Martrin and I brainstormed ideas for this promotion. But for folks who don't know, getting your friends, family, and readers to post ratings and reviews is often like pulling teeth. Running this promotion was a bit of a risk. As it was entirely possible, we would have scored something like four ratings and a pair of reviews. Our collective performance was so much greater than I expected. After tallying the results, we scored a net of 31 ratings and reviews over the course of this promotion. That, so in other words, over the course of three weeks. To put that in perspective, Citadel of the Fallen, after being out for a full year with a pair of awards and a friggin' Publishers Weekly review, was only at 47 ratings prior to this promo. As a result, I went ahead and rounded us up to the next tier level of 45 for my Kofi contribution, and I hope the podcast sees fit to go with the award tiers for 15, 30, and 45. Keep the long story short, we will. Uh, most importantly, it feels good for this book series to have an actual home. Geek Shock has been involved with this series on one level or another from the very start. Whether or not these books ever find an expanded audience, Geek Shock will always be a place this series can truly call home J.R. Conkle. So thank you, J.R., for doing this promotion, putting this all together, and Mad Martrin. And thank you, Shock Monkeys, who not only bought the book but gave it the reviews it so desperately deserves. So I want to thank everybody involved in this and if you haven't read citadel of the falling or gathering the fallen they are still available and at uh, and very frankly very cheap so grab them they are worth your read so what does that mean it means that with 15 new ratings we promised that deb would read news you don't give a shit about that was the first tier run, okay? So we're not going to do it this show because news don't give a shit about is a little small. I want to make sure it's a good, juicy news you don't give a shit about. <laughs> so, to make it proper. Uh, with 30 ratings, which we reached as well, we promised that we would do the balcony scene from Romeo and Juliet, but with the part of Romeo as the man baby and Juliet as my bard. So expect that on a sh the end of a show very soon. And don't worry, we will put it at the end of the show for those who just can't stomach it. What? <laughs> that would be me. <laughs> what are you talking me. about? Oh, I can't stand it now. Whoa! And of I course... Since... Beginning! Beginning to fight oh. together! Ugh. And of course, since we did reach 45, that means that Jeff will have to recite the lyrics of Sir Mix-a-Lot's Baby Got Back but as Paul Mattingly impersonating Mumra. <laughs> so you've earned it, monkeys, so we will make good on our promise, and you will find those coming to a show very, very soon. Earned, uh, earned it? Earned it. Earned it. Earned yeah. it, yeah. Like a punishment earned. <laughs> Oof. Like a winter earned. Now, we were off for a week, so uh, I'm sure we've done some stuff during that time. So what geeky things did you do this week? Deb? I don't know which one I should start with, because... Just pick one. Right? Yeah, just, pick pick the one that's closest to your heart. 
So I started Skyrim. I'm so happy oh, about this. Go ahead. Wow. So happy. So happy. So, you know, Skyrim just recently had their anniversary special edition. They've added, they've had, well, they've updated the graphics. They've added quests and items and things to the game. So they kind of like refresh the game. And I've never played. Um, it's been out quite a long time. Barry has played a lot. So much. And by the way, my friend Rob Vogel, uh, who now works for Bethesda, did uh, some stuff for the anniversary edition. He's got his name in the credits and everything. So good on him. But I've watched him play many times, many playthroughs. He will just sit there for hours playing this game. And after getting my tattoo um, and, you know, talking with my artist and who's like Skyrim is her obsession, I decided to try. So I'm still in the really early levels because I'm balancing that between work and Minecraft because I'm still playing Minecraft. So um, I'm still low level, but yeah, so far so good. We'll see. And, you know, it's a first-person interactive game. I haven't gotten to any of those big cities yet where you get a lot of different choices. So I'm still on, like, the beginning path where it's, this is what you do. This is the only choice you have. So we'll see. I'll give you guys an update maybe in a, about a month and see how it go, how it's going. She started with magic, which is kind of hard. Ooh, that's, a, yeah, that's difficult. Uh-oh, rocking it, it's magic. Though. Yeah. I like wow. the magic. So... So basically, Bethesda owes that tattoo person like a commission. Right? Yeah, like a sale. Black Sacrament Tattoo in Las Vegas, everybody. Go check them out. Yeah. Um, and then we also, we've caught up on The Witcher. So we finished The Witcher Season 2. It was really good. I'm really excited for the next season. Um, wow. I don't know. My feelings, I think, are a little bit different than Jeff's and Barry's. But um, I really enjoyed the season, almost a little bit more than the first season. solely for the reason that I did not feel quite as lost because they didn't jump around all over the place in the timeline. Same. The first season, they jumped around quite a bit, and it took a little bit of time sometimes to, like, figure out when they were. And this season, it was just very, it was solid. It was all happening right now as we go. Um, So it was a lot easier to follow. And I feel like the story advanced quite a bit. Um, now they spend a lot of time on Siri's role, which is the you know the the child surprise, the, the girl that he ends up picking up at the end of the season. Most of this season is dedicated to her story, but I definitely feel like they have brought it at the end, the three of them back together, um, so that season three will really kind of shine on the destiny of the three of them blended. So it was it was good. It was a really good watch for sure. Yeah. And then um, Barry, Jeff, and I, before COVID got super crazy, we got to actually check out Lost Spirits Distillery in Las Vegas. Oh, tell me all about that, because I hear it's oh, like Disney man. for drunks. It's it's pretty amazing. <laughs> it was pretty cool. We enjoyed it, actually. We now, went in the we've, middle. Been to, we've been to a bunch of different distilleries, but this is totally unlike anything we've ever been to. It's an experience. It's, it's more of like a show mixed with a distillery. Yeah, a bunch of shows. Yes. We went in the middle of the day. So we went around like 1.45 in the afternoon. So it wasn't late. So it was good. It was it was not as crowded. Everyone was wearing masks. We really, um, I don't know about Jeff, but we hadn't looked much into it. So I really wasn't sure what to expect from it other than it was a tasting tour, right? Through some different themed rooms. Um, it definitely is way more than that. Um, it's very heavy in the rum though. So you have to kind of enjoy and appreciate rum. 
It's a lot of different types of rum. And at the end, you get to taste a scotch that they have. Well, not scotch, well, a whiskey. A whiskey. You get to taste a whiskey that they have made. But it's a peated whiskey. It was, which is my favorite. It was pretty decent, actually. But it's totally worth spending oh, the money. Okay, I just want to point out that I said peated whiskey, and uh, Kirsten made a sour face. So <laughs> yeah. he's a godless communist. That's what he. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, because uh, who doesn't like their alcohol tasting like it was scraped right out of a fireplace? Communist, godless <laughs> communist. <That's laughs> yeah, you're, you're you're not underselling it to me. This is, sounds great. <laughs> oh God! Just, so, just remember, anyway, your favorite I'll, I'll is Fireball. You yeah. I'll try and talk you through it. So you go in, you you wait for your turn, you get in your turn. Well, do we really want to give that much detail? A little bit. A little okay. bit. Well, wait, you, wait okay. you guys, one thing. Where is this? Oh, it's at Area 15, which is the weird Meow Wolf type of thing. Of, it's like a variety of different experiences in here in Vegas, and which is cool. Some of them are cool. A lot of them are, you know. It's a mixed bag. But the point is, this one is super fucking awesome and absolutely worth the money. I think it was like 55 bucks a person or something like that. It was 65, 65 with yeah. non-Vegas residents. Non-Vegas residents, yep. yeah, because we don't have our driver's licenses yet. We're working on it. Oh, but Shark. 55 if you're a Vegas resident? Oh, well. Wow, man. the savings. <laughs> Woohoo! Wait, wasn't it 45 for <laughs> months to get a, to get a, a freaking reservation to get... Uh, a driver's license. Yeah. Point is, you go in, you taste your thing, and then things change on you. Like, like the experience changes, and then you move, you go all around the whole entire place, and then there's a point where you can, you can, you can like free range around this whole area, tasting different rums and whatnot. And there's magic, and there's like burlesque, and there's like acrobats, and it's really fucking cool and then the wow. best is, is 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 the very end where you taste the peated the peated whiskey and it's in one of the best rooms rooms the best rooms in vegas i don't want to say anything else okay it. it's just one of the best rooms it's very chill <laughs> it's a good room it's a very good room it's a giant uh, fireplace. It's supposed it's it's like fake underwater, but not. It's obviously not, but it's fun. It's <laughs> it's a good room. Trust me. <laughs> if you like scotch and you like drinking scotch in a good room, this is a good room to drink scotch. Deb, was he faced by the time you guys got to that no. room? <laughs> no, he not was not. No. I was not. I mean, him and Jeff were a little buzzed because I was driving, so I kept kind of passing off my stuff to Barry. But I don't have a problem with that. Yeah, but they weren't faced. No. <laughs> Uh, it's an excellent room as long as it's a good room it's a good room the whole experience to be honest it was it was way more than i had anticipated um and the experience just it felt it fit well with what they were trying to do and the things that they've offered and the surprises that kind of happened while we were just walking around very incredibly worth the money worth the money and more very cool there Did, uh, I, I can't come up with a better with a with a better praise than worth the money and more. Did Steve enjoy it? He never he never told me if. Uh, he oh yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, let me tell you about Steve fucking big. 
Okay. His oh my. stupid ass didn't even wake up in time. And then we're calling him. And we're calling him. He's like, oh, yeah, all right, yeah, we'll be there. And and then he finally answers, like, okay, yeah, well, I'll, uh, I haven't even left Kirsten's yet. I'll be there soon. I heard it's he like had 20 you. minutes before he has to get there. And he had him on speakerphone. I'm hearing it clear across the house. What do you fucking mean you haven't left yet? <laughs> yeah, it was like. Seriously, it was about 10 minutes, 15 tops before our tour was supposed to begin. And Steve hadn't left your house. And I told, I turned to him, I said, he's a minimum of 30 minutes away from where he's at right now. Minimum. He will not make it. We're outside waiting to walk in through security into the building during this phone call. I would have waited five, maybe 10 minutes, but 15, 20 or more. No. And Steve's like, well, I haven't got, let me take a shower first. What the fuck, Steve? No. (laughs) Get your car and go. No. Yeah. No, you missed it. You missed it. And you're, you're really missing the, the, um, the other part of the story where you had called him a couple hours before to make sure that he knew that it was this day and the time, and he agreed, oh, yes, it's today and it's at this time. Okay, I'll be there. Yeah, uh, not so much, because he's a <laughs> godless communist. A godless <laughs> communist, absolutely. And I blame you, Kirsten. You must so- have given him some whiskey or something before well, you went to bed. Well, actually, it was funny because I did shower block him. I actually rolled out of bed and got in the shower before he could. So that was one reason why he showered late. But like Barry said, it was like, Dude, just, you know, put on a hat, run your fingers through your hair, do something, and just get out the door. But uh, there wasn't even time for that. Yeah, Yeah, there wasn't even time for that. And that conversation was just hilarious. He was just, (laughs) oh, oh. wow. It was funny. But yeah, yeah, Todd, you would have loved it. I'm just, I'm like hearing clear across. I didn't even know. I thought like Steve had missed a meeting with some important theater group or something. (laughs) Because Barry was in was in his like take no shit mode, and and this speakerphone call is like, you haven't even fucking left yet. There's no way you're gonna make it here. And everything. you gotta like it have out. Oh my god. It was hilarious. <laughs> uh, well, uh, yeah, well, I just I. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Okay. All right, there, buddy. <sighs> what a hoot. I I certainly hope Steve. Moves out to Vegas because, you know, it <laughs> just makes the town funner. <laughs> yeah. Just as long as I don't, like, depend on them to be there for <laughs> time for the distillery. Anyway, Lost Spirits Distillery, everybody. Go check it out. It's totally worth it. Area 15. Jeff, what'd you do this week? Oh, my goodness. I did so much stuff. Uh, Wait, hold on. Hold on. Hold on. I did something else. And so did I you. I don't care. You Jeff, a lot of damn Minecraft. Minecraft. <laughs> We play a lot play... of Minecraft, and you should be playing Minecraft too. That's that's all I'm gonna say. No, 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 no. You don't understand. They play a lot of Minecraft. <laughs> Jeff, Jeff's there firsthand to witness it now. It's yeah, yeah. Like hours of no conversation between the two of them, just clicking away on their keyboards and they're <laughs> swirling their mice as they build this this new server. For hours and hours. Jeff, does it inspire you to, to join in? Nope. <laughs> <laughs> I ain't got that kind of time. Why, what are you doing kind of for time? all those hours? 
I just started a full-time job. I don't have that kind of time either, but when I have time, I'm willing to devote to it because I got a big plan and people are helping me build it and it looks amazing and everyone's getting involved and it's a great time. Well, and you enjoy it. Yeah, I enjoy it. Uh, so uh, you should all join. If you can hear the sound of my voice right now, you are invited. Come and Come and play. It's quite the party. Whenever I've gotten on there, there's been lots of people. Yeah, the 118, we've at least, we've always had regularly between six and ten people on at a time or more. Um, and we just increased the amount of RAM in the server so it's not slow. You should all join us. It's, it's a lot of fun. Fantastic. Jeff, what'd you do? Oh, my goodness. So Aside from watch them play Minecraft for us. Yeah. Besides, 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 besides that. Minecraft. Besides that. Pick, pick um, your favorites, Jeff. Pick your favorites. I, that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to stick with the things that I really enjoyed. Uh, first thing was I finally got to go to a screening of Spider-Man No Way Home. Uh, I was the only one in my row at the theater. There were five other people in the theater, so it was a good time to be there. Oh, my God, that movie is so good. I, you're, you're talking tears of both joy and, and sadness in this film. It's an emotional roller coaster. It's hard to talk about it without getting spoilery, but there's so much stuff going on in this film, and it's done brilliantly throughout. It's definitely one of the better MCU films in a while, and that's saying a lot considering we've had some really, really good MCU films over the last few years. If you get a chance to see it and you manage to get to a theater where it's not too crowded, there's enough distancing, I recommend checking it out. If not, it should probably be on home video or some kind of uh, on-demand service very soon. Definitely check it out. I can't say enough good things about it. I wish I could say more, with that, but like I said, it's really difficult to talk about it without getting spoilery. Brilliantly acted by everyone involved, brilliantly written, just just so much fun and also gives you the anxiety, the edge of your seat stuff because you're not sure what's going to happen and things don't go in a kind of predictable way throughout. So you're not just sitting there like, okay, here we go, the same old blah, blah, blah trope and no, it it didn't didn't do that. No, it's not it, formulaic it, at all. Exactly, exactly. Um, and even if you think you know where it's going to go because of the comics that it's based on, you don't. It does it so much better. Jeff, would you say it was a, a good room? <laughs> a good room? Yeah. Yeah. Would you like a giant fireplace? <laughs> I, I, are you referring to the movie The Room or? Oh my God, Jeff. Oh boy. Oh, come on, wow. Man. Well, now we know what he does when Barry's talking. When we went to see it, it was not a good room because we went to see it late at night, Deb and I, and we took a shot because we saw, okay, there's no one else in the theater. It turns out there was one other group in the theater and it was just a husband and wife, I guess, and like two kids. Well, it turns out that the other group. First off, they sat kind of near us, so we just jumped ahead so we wouldn't sit near them. So we changed rows. And uh, I, I, I believe the, the uh, child uh, talked through the whole goddamn thing. Ran around, laughed, oh, talked yes. back to their parents. Yeah. To the point where I almost stood up and said, 
this is not a babysitting service. Please leave. <laughs> yeah. Wow. And a few times I would like snap my fingers and point at them, hoping they were looking down here. Because I didn't. Because if I get up, it's a whole. It's a scene. Mind you, we went to an eleven fifteen show, p.m. eleven wow. fifteen p.m. And they had two kids with them. There aren't many babysitters available at that time, Deb. <laughs> so you stay home. So you don't go to the movies. Watch the fucking Rugrats or whatever Which, people with kids do. What theater did you guys go to? The we went to Galaxy. Galaxy in the mall. The Boulevard, really? Yeah. Okay. Oh, well. Crappy theater, yeah. My crappy. God, the boulevard. Was not crappy, crappy theater. Crappy, not crappy theater. Crappy mall. <laughs> what else to do, Jeff? Got to watch uh, Cobra Kai season four. So good. Did you uh, finish all of it? Yeah. Each oh. episode's only about a half hour. I watched the first half uh, between two days when I got home from work, and then I finished it off on what I thought was going to be my only day off this week, which was Monday. A little bit more serious towards the end of the season, but I definitely uh, like the writing on it. They definitely know not just the where they're going with the series, but they know enough about the history and the different films that they've worked it into it. Not in such a way that it's corny, because uh, I thought Karate Kid 3 was definitely the weaker of the films. But they took elements from Karate Kid 3 and weaved it into this in a way that it wasn't cheesy or corny. So uh, I was very happy with that. I'd say I'm halfway through it. Uh-huh. And I am so impressed with this season. First, I'm, I'm impressed yeah. with the show. But what I'm most impressed by by this show is how complex the plot lines are for a town that revolves around a karate tournament. Right. <laughs> and how well-rounded the characters are. And I think that's what really impresses me with it. Because Terry Silver, yeah. the, the bad guy from Karate Kid 3, uh, was a cartoon of a figure. Yes, just, exactly. Yeah, he, 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 every scene he was in, he chewed all the scenery. And he was just bad guy, just give him the twirly mustache. Because he, he's, he's already making the movements with his fingers. But in this, they have turned him into an actual flesh and blood, pluses and minuses, good guy with bad guy, intense complexities that yeah. we're missing from that third one. And that's the whole thing with the arc of this show is that there's a complexity that, frankly, the show doesn't deserve. Yeah. And, and Terry Silver's character was actually layered. Really nicely layered. You'll see it more when you get to the, the second through the second half, Todd. But so he there's some shit he does and you're just like, OK, well, I can kind of nope he's fucking evil as hell. You know, <laughs> you, you kind of go back and forth. So <laughs> Definitely. If you if you have enjoyed Cobra Kai up to this point and you have not checked out the current season, definitely check it out. You got to remember a lot of these kids, it's their first acting job. They've gotten better as the series has gone on with their acting, the stories while not super heavy, have still gotten much better. The writing, I feel, has gotten better. And it's not that it was ever bad. It just feels like everybody's growing into their roles, the, the writers, the producers, the actors, etc. So I definitely recommend checking that out. Also started The Book of Boba Fett on Disney+. Plus. 
Um, very interested to see where this goes. I'm, you know, there's only two episodes out so far, but I really enjoyed the first two episodes. I believe we're only getting six episodes or something like that in this series, but uh, uh, it's definitely worth checking out. And this comes from somebody who I always felt Boba Fett was such an overrated character, and I couldn't understand why everybody loved that character growing up. And I'm like, he was in a handful of scenes in Empire Strikes Back, and he bites the big one in such a unheroic way. In it's Return the mystery. Of the Jedi. It's the idea of him. That's what people fell in love with. Jeff Gunter what? is the Amy Farrah Fowler of Geek Shock. I don't even understand <laughs> that reference. <laughs> the Big Bang Theory reference, Barry. I totally don't get it then. Because Big Bang Theory is hot fucking garbage. Yeah, well, that's Fight your opinion. Me. Fight me. <laughs> uh, I don't fight well, di- mentally disabled people. Oh, shit. <laughs> Last thing I want to talk about, uh, Netflix movie Don't Look Up, starring uh, Leonardo DiCaprio, Jennifer Lawrence, and written and directed by Adam McKay, uh, based on a story by another gentleman whose name escapes me right now. I should have written it down on my notes, and I thought I did, but I didn't. It's a brilliantly written satire film. It's just I, I I don't even know how to say how it's it's not laugh out loud funny but if you pay attention to political and ideological and world events over the last ten years you'll see a lot of the parallels in this movie I I think it's I, I think it's hilarious in that respect but it's it's just so much fun to just sit there and look at it and just go wow. We really, as a as a human race, we are really ridiculous. We really are. The, uh, the basis of the movie is there's a comet that's a, a world killer comet headed directly for Earth. A doctoral candidate, played by Jennifer Lawrence, discovers it. The doctor of her department of astronomy at Michigan State is played by Leonardo DiCaprio. He goes over her work and confirms that it is headed for Earth, and so they report it to NASA, and you have this actual thing that's happening. It is an actual uh, comet headed – I think I said asteroid first. I'm sorry. It's a comet headed towards Earth. It's going to destroy basically all life on Earth. It's a solid fact thing, and then it gets turned into this political how-do-you-do between all these parties, and the the title of the movie actually comes from the party in charge – at the time, is saying, don't look up. No, no, there's nothing to see up there. And the the party of the fact that this is coming is like, are you kidding me? What do you mean, don't look up? It's right there. We have pictures of it. It is headed this way. It doesn't sound like an allegory of anything I've heard of. No, not <laughs> at all. Right, no, not at all. But well, uh, I- like I said, it's brilliantly written. It's on Netflix. Um, I highly recommend checking it out. I uh, can't say enough good things about don't look don't look up. Uh, right, like I said, fantastic. you're not going to laugh out loud at it. Uh, and if you're <laughs> not really into political slash uh, world satire, you, it's not that kind of comedy. But I, like I said, so, brilliantly written. You're not going to laugh, but you're going to yeah. enjoy it. So is it going to yeah. be like a sensible chuckle and be like, this <laughs> inside? Oh, it's more know. like hands and face going, oh, my God, are we really that okay. ridiculous? All right, that's good, Jeff, because I was going to say, that's not the cover blurb 
Netflix wants. <laughs> You're not gonna laugh out loud. <laughs> it's it's a comedy, but it's a You're satire cry comedy. Inside. Yeah, yeah. And you it's laugh not... through your tears. <laughs> Kirsten, what anyway. what didn't you laugh at this? Uh, uh, well, I don't know. I laughed at everything. So you know, I laughed at Trump canceling his January sixth thing, which was incredibly bad taste anyway. So fuck him. <laughs> I'm laughing at the there there are guys who are like, you know, Trump, save me from jail. I did this for you. And it's like they're finding out what kind of a person Trump is now. So that's cool. But in the world of geekery, Witcher, Mandalorian, Wheel of Time and Spidey Man. So I had a great time, actually. Uh, I can hardly wait till we do a spoiler talk about Wheel of Time because Deb and I are going to have a a bitch fest like nobody knows. (laughs) So I actually, Deb, I don't know about you, but I actually had to go to Wikipedia and look up Eye of the World because I'm like, okay. What what actually happened in that book versus other books? Yes. (laughs) Yeah. I was just like, huh? huh?" So. Holy crap, I feel like we fast forward a ton. <laughs> yeah. And it was really funny because when I went through the Wikipedia, I'm like, we haven't fast forwarded anywhere near as much as I thought we have. It was yeah, weird. Well, to the I, point where I almost considered, I'm like, maybe I should read the book again. Yeah. I, I don't know. I'm probably going to content myself with the Wikipedia plot summaries. You shouldn't read but, the book again. Yeah. I think whoever was designing the, the series realized that you don't need to include, like, at least four or five books worth of I don't understand women, I don't understand men, <laughs> and they punks at a braid. It's not necessary. Yeah, Just skip I'll, it. Although I loved it because there was a bit where Nanib did tug on her braid twice, actually. Now yes. I've seen it twice. Yep. That's so fan it's like, service. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Uh, I agree with Jeff on Spidey Man. I can hardly wait till we spoiler talk that because oh my God, there's just so much to to gush about. What a movie! What a movie! And and uh, yeah, no, I'll wait for the spoiler talk. Uh, Mandalorian is fun, so mm. that was a fun start. Book you of mean Boba book, Fett. Book of Boba Fett. Oh, I'm sorry, Book of Boba Fett. Yeah, he's, he's not a Mandalorian. Was he's not Mandalorian a Mandalorian? He's a fake Alorian. Wait a minute, um, wait a minute, wait a minute. Boba Fett's not a Mandalorian. Okay, technically, I guess that's true. Jango Fett was. Jango Fett was a Mandalorian. Boba Fett was just his kid. Okay. His I, clone I, kid. Spoiler alert. His yeah. kid. He was a oh, gift. Why are you spoiling episode two for everyone? <laughs> uh, that was in last season of The Mandalorian, like the, what, second or third to last episode oh. where he actually says, I'm awesome. not a Mandalorian, but this armor is part of my family. He's also referring to episode two of Star Wars. Yeah, well, that too. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that too. <laughs> Amy Farrah Gunter strikes again. I don't understand <laughs> what that means. <laughs> and Witcher, I'm not as far as the others have gone. I don't know what it is, but I'm taking Witcher in smaller chunks. Uh, I'm enjoying it. I love Cavill's performance. But there really is, there's only so much that I can take. And then I have to take a rest from all the, all the deep, deep, dark talking. So, you know, I'm, I'm sort it's like, wow. It's like, but I'm, I'm enjoying what they're doing with Siri. 
she's doing a nice job. That's a, that's actually being, that's actually cool. So it's funny. Sometimes I, I watched Wheel of Time and Witcher in the same day. And so at one point there was a, a, a sorceress visiting Siri and I'm like, oh, when did he, when did he get the white tower involved? And then I'm like, wait, what the fuck am I? Oh shit. My head. So that's when I was like, I got to finish Wheel of Time and then I can finish Witcher because it was all apparently Henry Cavill is doing an excellent uh, Witcher based on Witcher like the the Witcher games like his 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 intonation and everything unfortunately I have not yet seen one game of Gwent played on the Witcher series and the Witcher series and I'm very disappointed by that well he's dude he's 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 a monster in terms of Witcher lore, they're like talking about he's got the books down cold and shit like yeah. that. Sapkowski, Sapkowski, I forget. He uh, he loves him. He's very happy to have him representing. Hey so. man, Cavill's one of us. Yeah, true. And how he's one of us? Did you see? Did you see uh, the clip where uh, Graham Norton is actually trying to make fun of him for? Dude, uh, fuck Graham Norton. Okay, because yeah. let me. <laughs> something Graham Norton while his show his show is funny based on his uh the interactions between his, his between his guests he himself always tries to take the piss out of like uh anyone who shows any kind of geekery or whatever and, and that bothers me a lot but uh he tries to take the piss out of Henry Cavill and Henry Cavill is not out he's like no yeah. or hammer you gotta you know you can say it right and he explains all his business and everything yeah now to that end, did you see the show? I think it was uh, uh, what's her face? Felicia Day. Felicia Day was interviewing him and starts talking about Warhammer and he starts talking about the next armor he's gonna paint and he, he mentions a name and then the guy who plays uh, what's his name? Jasker. He plays the Bard. The Bard. He's like, oh yeah, you know, I'm painting some Necrons. He's like, oh really? We need to get together and do our <laughs> shit. Wow. And the girls are like, I don't understand what's yeah, going on. Felicia's like, oh my god, you play Warhammer? <laughs> <laughs> Wow. And the, the woman who plays Yennefer and the one who plays Siri are like, I don't understand any of this. That's the funny. girl who plays Yennefer, she was like, I really enjoy painting. I think I might be able to get into that just because I really enjoy the painting aspect. It was really fun. She would there be the go. most popular Warhammer player ever. She got yeah. into it. Amen. <laughs> All that's missing is Matt sitting there going, yeah, I gotta paint mine someday. <laughs> wow, I thought, there was, I thought Matt was on the show here. That's crazy. So. Yeah. So, you know, um, oh, by the way, Barry, did you know, uh, well, Probably. Barry, yeah, screw it. it, it, it's actually a question for Matt because there's, um, <laughs> there, Warhammer online is actually, there's a private server that's continuing it because there was a Warhammer online and it kind of died, but there's a private yeah, it server. A, it was a fantasy MMO. It. Yeah. And there's Never a private. I did. There's a private server that's keeping it going. I heard. I found out about, and I was just like, "Oh, that's good for all seven people who still want to play it." I guess. Whoa! Wow! Yeah. I thought it, it was a lackluster MMO. It it didn't do really anything new. That it was the first time I experienced uh, instances where there's like timed things where if you go to this area anybody that goes to this area is going to be part of this quest and they have to fight this big boss it's the first time i experienced that 
and I thought it was new at the time, but I, then I realized they weren't the first. They were doing it whatever yeah. people did. No, if, if um, you have it, to it, have a private server to continue the game, it's not a good game. I know this firsthand because I did this with uh, Star Wars Galaxies. I was on a private server <laughs> for a little bit, and it was craptastic. So, well, there you go. Craptastic. You can't beat that. Okay. Well, I just thought I'd mention it, but mm, Warhammer, <laughs> Warhammer, 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 Warhammer. And I appreciate it. That's about it, though. Otherwise, uh, I'm proceeding on with the uh, the fuckfest and baggage uh, D&D stuff, so we're getting there. I'm dropping I'm getting excited and, reading the stuff that you're putting up on the Discord. There you go. I'll, uh, I'll keep doing that then, Todd, just for you. Appreciate I mean... It. I it's set a up a Hapling Bard, but it uh, looks like Barry's going to get dibs on that. Dun, dun, dun. Why can't there be two? Well, we'll... Oh, Jesus, two. We'll do, we'll do a scenario where you're all Hapling Bards, and Todd will mandatorily have to be there. So I can <laughs> hardly wait to hear Deb's Hapling Bard. <laughs> I'm going to dig my ukulele out of storage. Oh, jeez. You don't have any ukuleles. They don't exist in this world. No ah. stringed instruments. No stringed instruments. Fine. That's right. Drums. Drums. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he he does have a proficiency in war gong, so. <gasps> the triangle. Yo, <laughs> yes. <laughs> Jeff's bard will have cowbell. In, yes. Indeed. Gotta have more cowbell. Bagpipes. And speaking of bag types, it's time for news you don't give a shit about. Yahoo! Ooh. It's like. We have a sponsor this week. God. Uh, the Kofi members uh, of a certain tier and higher, you do get a sponsorship every month. And this one was this month's sponsorship by Jake Godbold. Oh, no. Oh, boy. This segment is brought to you by Deb's Slide Tackles. Yes, Deb's Slide Tackles. For those times you want to feel all that pent-up rage of a frustrating relationship to a guy named Barry. Remember, folks, when you want to feel that red card of rage, get Deb's Slide Tackles by Shock Monkey Industries. <laughs> I, I will just go. add, having lived with Barry for about a month, Deb's not often wrong about him. <laughs> But that's not all. This news you don't give a shit about segment is brought to you by Deb Slide Tackles. Folks, has this ever happened to you? You're trying to move your cabinet, but it just won't budge. Guess we'll need just to stay there, right? Or does it? Just one of Deb's Slide Tackles will put those heavy appliances right in its place. Yes, folks, Deb's Slide Tackles by Shock Monkey Industries. <laughs> this you don't give a shit about. Right. A blockbuster DAO. That's the, a new social media handle. As trying to generate $5 million to buy the intellectual property rights of the blockbuster video brand from Dish Network, its current owner. Uh, the plan is to build or rebuild Blockbuster as a streaming service that they hope will revolutionize the film industry. Uh, a DAO, or a Decentralized Autonomous Organization, uh, would run on the blockchain and automate most decisions ostensibly putting more power into the hands of viewers to determine the future of licenses and original programming on the streaming service and eliminating human error. Uh, the report goes on to point out that Dish would likely see $5 million as too low an offer. The company bought 
blockbuster for $320 million in 2011 and closed its remaining stores and DVD by mail services in 2014. Uh, the collapse of the video rental industry was already well underway, so it's likely the original purchase price was the value of the Blockbuster name and brand. Uh, Blockbuster DAO, though, hopes to finance their attempt via the sale of Blockbuster DAO NFT mints priced at 0.13 Ethereum each. Nope. I don't even know what that equates to and i don't even care you lost me at dao or i actually had to google what that even meant and the first pl- and the, and the, um, the first google result was at ethereum.org nope nope <laughs> however five million seems cheap <laughs> <laughs> yeah you think <laughs> saying that they purchased it for 320 million to begin with Very why did they do that why uh, obviously, they thought the name Blockbuster meant something, so obviously they'll sell it for $5 million. And you guys give me shit for wanting to renew Vanilla Sluts Love Chocolate Dick.com. <laughs> well, you need, to, you need to make it into a DAO and offer it as an NFT for 0.13 Ethereum each. Right. You I- get those NFTs running on the cock chain, and <laughs> Vanilla Girls is going to... I thought it was a ring, not a chain. It'll (laughs) pop. (laughs) Ah, yes. Yes. The new new, uh, NFTs on the cock ring. On the the block ring. That shit'll pop. Jesus Christ. (laughs) You know, Barry, if after 10 years, Vanilla Sluts Love Chocolate Dick.com hasn't generated you any revenue, it might be time to rethink that equation. I don't know. It sounds like he should sell it for $5 million. (laughs) I, I, I think it's generated me enough humor to make it worth it. <laughs> Jeff, some people do it for the art. There you go. It's, it's, what does yes, Barry yes, do it it's, for? It's art. It's, it's art. I'm doing it for the art. I wasn't yeah. before. Now I am. Now I can claim that art. See, not even Deb's buying it. Well, I was going to say, we're not supposed to make video commentary, but Deb's look of pride whenever this subject comes up <laughs> is always a treat. Oh, yes. Is, is, is anti-pride a thing? Because that's what it seems like to me. You know who I am. Well, Deb's not buying it, but she can for 0.13 Ethereum each. That's right. I wonder what that even means. I don't care. Can I go to the pinball museum and spend Ethereum? Maybe, eventually. Who knows? <laughs> okay. You can take pictures of the machines and sell them as NFTs? No. News you don't give a shit about. Uh, it's, this one doesn't go that much further, but at the same time, it kind of does. Uh, this was a big piece of gross. Square Enix's New Year's letter, delivered by their president, Yasuke Masada, uh, was a heck of a thing. Square Enix embrace of NFTs, in which the company admits that most people don't like them and would rather, quote, play for fun. That's then uh, argues why that is a bad thing. We should actively seek to change. It's bizarre. But the alternative it offers is, quote, play to contribute, unquote. Here, I'm going to quote that section directly. Yeah, please. This is from the, the president's letter. 
I realize that some people who, quote, play to have fun, unquote, and who currently form the majority of players have voiced their reservation toward these new trends, and understandably so. However, I believe there will be a certain number of people whose motivation is to, quote, play to contribute, unquote, by which I mean help make the game more exciting. Traditional gaming has offered no explicit incentive to this latter group of people who are motivated strictly by such inconsistent personal feelings such as goodwill and volunteer spirit, unquote. <laughs> what? <laughs> Uh, by this, it seems, uh, the suggestion that playing games for fun, uh, which is surprisingly the main reason why people play games, right. is somehow antithetical to innovation and creativity in games. Uh, the paragraph's also full of contradictions. But Masuda states his belief that there are people who will want to play games to contribute in making games more exciting, a, a line that's already filled with ambiguities. Plus, has he not seen the community and the amount of fan works? Uh, wikis, guides, walkthroughs that people Mods. have created for their favorite games, often for free. Yeah. So it's a subsequent line about how players are motivated by inconsistent personal feelings as goodwill and volunteer spirit immediately contradicts his premise. But but hold on. In the same breath, he okay. also attributes these to merely outlets for self-expression. Quote, however, with advances in token economies Here uh, we go. in other words bit chain bullshit uh, users will be provided with the explicit incentives hereby resulting not only in greater consistency in their motivation but also creating a tangible upside to their creative efforts i believe this will lead to more people devoting themselves to such efforts and to greater possibilities of games growing in exciting ways uh, from having fun to earning to con contributing a, a wide variety of motivations will inspire people to engage with games and connect with one another it is blockchain based tokens that will enable this by designing viable token economies into our games we will enable self-sustaining game growth it is precisely this sort of ecosystem that lies at the heart of what i refer to as quote decentralized gaming and I hope that this becomes a major trend in gaming going forward. If we refer to the one-way relationship where game players and game providers are linked by games that are finished products, we refer to those as centralized gaming to contrast with decentralized gaming, then incorporating decentralized games into our portfolio in addition to centralized games will be a major strategic theme for us starting in 2022. The basic and elemental technologies to enable blockchain games already exist, and there has been an increase in the societal literacy and acceptance of crypto assets in the past few years. We will keep a close eye on societal shifts in this space while listening to the many groups of users that populate it and ramp up our efforts to develop a business accordingly with an eye to potentially using our own tokens in the future. In other words, they're going to create their own currency for blockchain bullshit, so you can turn your game into work. So Masada, uh, suggests, Masada suggests that players will be sufficiently incentivized to play to contribute with blockchain games, uh, which will see games grow because players will earn money, uh, have fun maybe, uh, contribute, and connect with one another. Communities will sprout from the once barren lands of video games where no one talks to each other and connections were never made. Square Enix will invent communities through NFTs. 
no one talks about what NFTs bring to a game ever from a gameplay perspective anyway. Uh, nobody in the NFT racket ever talks about joy. It's all about money. This is what Square Enix means when it says people will trade playing for fun in order to play to contribute. It means they'll stop looking at games for enjoyment and start looking at them for profit. Square Enix able to skim a little off the top, I'm sure. Play to contribute already exists in a fashion. Minecraft is built on the idea of working to contribute to something yeah. bigger than yourself. Uh, the one silver lining to this is that developers have mostly rejected NFTs instantly. The people who actually make games want nothing to do with them. Unfortunately, right now we have too many executives ready to pull the trigger. They're ready right. to jump on the latest, greatest thing because they want to be the first to market. First to market is super, super important for lots of companies. So I can understand their enthusiasm, but they don't know what the fuck they're talking about and they're too afraid to say no that's lame because the first person to say no that's lame to something that's that that becomes a big deal is the first person to get fired uh that's the problem um minecraft is like they said is a, a community of people building new shit for the game however at the end of the day it's the minecraft developers who are building really new stuff and that's at the end. That's that's all there is to it. No, I as a player, I there is zero I can contribute to a game like Minecraft that can that will ever touch what a developer can contribute. You know, yeah. Uh, so what the hell is this guy talking about? I got two things. <clears throat> First of all, if he was right, if if let's just say he's right. And they can contribute and the NFTs meet, you know, do something. Yeah. The only people who are going to make the 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 Ethereum are the ones who are already playing a bajillion hours a day. I don't think you're gonna get a significant change in your play community because of this. Because the ones who are going to excel. And the ones who are going to be able to generate and make it worth their while and get something out of it are already spending all the hours doing it. It's sort of like if we were to say, let's let's pay everybody to play Minecraft. Barry and Deb are the ones who are going to make a bajillion dollars. Jeff is still going to be sitting there watching football. So it, 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 I don't think that's going to go in. The, the second thing is what does contribute mean? Because I was joking before when I said cock chain, but oh boy, <laughs> there are going to be a lot of cocks flying around the internet if if players can contribute. I, I don't know how, I don't know what, but they'll figure it out. They always do. I could make a flying cock in Minecraft. There no. you go. You know, what about <laughs> Paul's cock towers? If you can I'm serious. If you can, can if they can fly. contribute, this you're you're just gonna get a whole shitload of cocks. Jesus just, Christ! This idea is. Does this guy even work in the, in games? That's, Holy that's, shit! I, I don't just, even understand this at all for games like League of Legends, who are like super like popular right now. Where what do people contribute other than like jumping into a game, fighting, and then being done in five minutes? Where's the where's the contribution? 
I just don't get the. I mean, it's these video game companies have been making record profits for the last several years, and it's like all they're focused on is okay. We made a fantastic amount of money last year. How can we make even more this year? How many different ways can we monetize our platform? You know, how much more money can we squeeze out of every little game? And it's I just don't. When is enough enough? Stellan Skarsgård. He talked about that when he mentioned the whole blockbuster thing, and he said the the whole ten percent return. I bet you that that it's right there in the video games too, Jeff. I'll bet you anything. It's like we need to get that ten percent return. How do we grow this? How do we expand it? I'll wager anything. That, that well, I mean, yeah, I mean, and, and it even a lot of these stockholders. I mean. These execs are always saying, well, we need to maximize shareholder value and blah, blah, blah. But now even the stockholders are like, well, wait a minute. Where's all the profit going that we made? And it keeps going into executive salaries. And for the first time in I don't know when, they've started to examine when is enough enough to give your executives when you're not actually making money as a stockholder in a company. You own the you own a part of the company and the people that are supposed to be making you the money are just enriching themselves over and over and over again and not actually contributing to the the share price. I don't know. It's just, it's ridiculous. How many of you out there know that I work as a bartender in Las Vegas? And right now it's CES, right? The Consumer Electronics Show. Yep. Uh, a lot of the big names have pulled out because, hey, there's still a pandemic going on, but there's still a smaller version going on. At, I kid you not, at the bar today, I had a tech bro. I was the only guy sitting at my bar at the time because, you know, CES is happening way over there on the other side of the city. So the, the place is quiet. So I got nothing better to do than to talk to this guy. And this guy goes on to try to sell me on playing a blockchain game. He's like, his, his, whole, his whole pitch on it is like, it's so much fun. It's so easy. You buy a group of horses for $100. That's all you have to put into it is $100. And then you press a button and the horses race and you can do that three times a day for free. And then at the end of like a month, your horses are altogether going to be worth like $500. While he's explaining all this to me, I'm going, that sounds like a kind of a job. That doesn't sound like fun. <laughs> That sounds like the bullshit I try not to do in mobile games. That's an investment, not fun. And is it multi-level? Do you buy the horses from him? I'm I'm guessing it is because a lot of that stuff is pyramid scheme based. Yeah, yeah. I'll wager anything. And three times a day for free. Yeah, Yeah. What if you lose, right? But, well, you pay for more races. You might get some victories in and boost your total. How is that a game? That's not a that, Yeah. <laughs> he threatened to come back later with his friend to show me how it works. And I said, oh, please do. <laughs> oh, yeah. Please. So I, I, I'm frankly, I'm, I am hoping it comes back because I do want to see a demonstration because I'm not going to do it. But I do want to see why he thinks this is fun. Well, sure. Nobody wants to be on the train when it wrecks. <laughs> but you want to be sitting there watching it. <laughs> Uh, so, yeah, of course, there's the monkey game that everyone knows about that people are losing their shirts on because they're getting hacked and whatever and buying a 
receipt for a picture of a monkey for eight thousand dollars. By the uh, way, if anyone wants to buy a picture of a monkey, you know, <laughs> just throwing that out there. I got a, I got a monkey. I got a picture yeah. of a monkey. Yeah. If anybody has a, wants a picture of a monkey, I have plenty of pictures of Barry. I'll be glad to sell you. <laughs> and you, exclusive pictures where you own the picture, the 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 JPEG of the picture. You you own the token that gives you unlimited access to the to the picture until I decide to revoke your your yeah. ability to use that token. Yeah. Man. Or I come along and cut and cut and paste it from Google. Yeah. <laughs> geek shock. We put the fun in non fungible. We can geek. This segment is brought to you by Deb's Slide Tackles. Are you tired of being able to walk in a straight line? Always wanted to be dependent on a cane for the rest of your life? And get one of Deb's Slide Tackles. Yes, Deb's Slide Tackles by Shock Monkey Industries. It's your red card into oblivion. Amazon Studios has picked up the rights to a new original action-adventure spec script titled Valor. Uh, The movie comes from writers Jeff Chan and Andrew Reimer. In the story, quote, a marauding warrior from a popular video game dies in a freak accident. He is reincarnated in our world and discovers the god he's always worshipped turns out to be a 13-year-old Asian kid from New Jersey adjusting to life with a single parent, unquote. Uh, Kelly McCormick and John Wick's David Lake of 87 North are on board to produce the feature. They recently produced Nobody, starring Bob Odenkirk, and are currently in post-production for Sony's Bullet Train, starring Brad Pitt and Sandra Bullock. So be on the lookout for Amazon's Valor. That sounds like fun. It does. I kinda I kind of dig it. Nobody, nobody was good. Was good. Yeah. Although it kind of reminds me of the uh the fake pitch that was sent by one of the monkeys about the the character player characters of a role playing game that take over the real life characters' lives. They like switch roles or something, and they have to make their way in the real world. Mm. No, <laughs> it's not like that to me. I'm telling you, man. There's someone in Hollywood listening to us, and they're ripping us off blind. <laughs> A Realmsmith, Lost Odyssey, and Dungeons & Dragons recently announced a new seven-episode series that will see celebrities playing one-on-one fights. The series is called Champions of the Realm and is a tournament-style game, meaning that it will focus on player characters in RPG fighting each other in an effort to be crowned the champion. Viewers are encouraged to donate during the events, with donations being split amongst the charities of the player's choice. Uh, Champions of the Realm will feature uh, Jason uh, Azevedo from Into the Mist as Dungeon Master, Becca Scott, UFC Hall of Famer Uriah Faber, and the voice of UFC announcer Bruce Buffer as commentators, and Noura Ibrahim from L.A. by Night, Omega Jones from Outbreak Undead, Matthew Lillard from Scooby-Doo, Alicia Marie, Mark Muir from Mass Effect, Satine Phoenix from DM Tips, Anna Prosser from Acquisitions Incorporated, and Deborah Ann Wall from Daredevil as the players. The players will be controlling their characters from Idle Champions. Uh, Champions of the Realm will run for seven episodes, with each episode being a new bout, and each bout will last up to five rounds of combat. If both contestants are still standing, Acevedo will make the final call as to who the winner is. The series premiered on January 5th, 
with new episodes weekly on the YouTube channels for D&D and Realmsmith. So if you want a little more arena combat in your uh, your D&D live play, here you go. <laughs> Tabletop arena combat. Who asked for that? All right. You're right. It sounds kind of like Super Fight. <laughs> <laughs> There was around episode, ooh, I like 9.35 or so of Order of the Stick where they had a caster fight. And it's just, all right, here is the epic caster fight between two two mages. Ready? Here we go. Cloud kill. Uh, counterspell. Firebolt counterspell. Uh, <laughs> lightning bolt counterspell. Uh, freaking meteor swarm counterspell. It was stupid. <laughs> hey, hey, Barry. Hey, good good story. Okay, okay, thanks, thanks for stealing my shit. <laughs> anyway, no one asked for that. Well, wow. you know what? Fun. Yeah, I yeah. I like it for the people that are involved in it. These are some people yes. I really enjoy watching. Uh, Satine Phoenix, Deborah Ann Wall. Yes, goodness sakes, even Matthew mm-hmm. Lillard. Yeah. yeah. No, he's a good player. He's fun. Oh, Lord, Lord, he's Lord, fun. Lord, he's good people. And c- come on, two two players with PCs fighting each other. You know, somewhere Deb got a little tingle. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, we know she. Yeah, <laughs> she she's like, oh yeah. <laughs> Is it ranged? I think it's whatever you class. It's whatever. Like. Yeah. Hmm. <laughs> Back in the day, uh, Barry and I interviewed Satine Phoenix. She's actually a pretty cool person yeah. in addition to being a very good player. And, of course, we can't go this week without talking about Betty White. <sighs> Betty White died at 99 years old. Uh, White had been entertaining the people since 1939. Uh, White is probably best known for her, roles as, uh, her role as Rose in the Golden Girls sitcom series, which ran from 1985 to 1992. She has 115 acting credits, and some of those projects include appearances in Blondie, The Great Gildersleeve, and This Is Your FBI in the 40s. She also worked on a variety TV show in 1949 called Hollywood on Television, which she later co-hosted. And not long after that, she landed more TV roles and made her breakout comedic role in 1973's Mary Tyler Moore Show, where she played Sue Ann Nivens. And when her run with that ended in 97, sorry, 97, 1977, <laughs> Christ, that show lasted forever. <laughs> ended in 1977, she landed the starring role in the Betty White show. Oh, she better have. Uh, White also was a part of production life such as uh, Life with Elizabeth, uh, Date with the Angels, The Love Boat, Mama's Family, Golden Palace, Ladies of Man, the, the 70s shows, Higley Town, Heroes, Boston Legal, The Bold and the Beautiful, Pound Puppies, You Again, The Proposal, Community, Hot in Cleveland, SpongeBob SquarePants, Story, Toy Story 4, and more. White won five primetime Emmy Awards over the course of her career, including two for Mary Tyler Moore, one for Golden Girls, and one for her 1975 Saturday Night Live appearance. A, a icon through the decades and arguably as popular at the end of her life as when her career was at its height. Yeah. <clears throat> Beloved. Yeah. I Late. just said she couldn't go three more weeks to her 100th birthday. It's 100. Yeah. She's so close. Well, Seven, somebody 17 days, right? Yeah. She's only 17 so, days away. Somebody posted that like it 
you go by the Hebrew calendar, she actually hit a hundred. I don't know what the hell. <laughs> okay. I saw that headline and I was just I didn't I didn't click. I should have. <laughs> but no. anyway. No, I think so. you did the right thing. Yeah. <laughs> Lake Placid. Oh, when, yes. when she was the foul mouth and um what was the other thing I was gonna say? It's she, she is she is so damn classic. Uh oh, um like the Snickers. No, oh, the, the football oh, commercial. The yeah, commercial. Yeah, you know? It's like the first time I saw that, I was just like, God, I just I just love this woman. She just she takes it all and she just is she I don't know. It really is amazing how many generations she was influencing with her comedy. Mm. When you think about it, you said what what was the first year you said she was on? 37? 39. 39. 39. Sorry. Wow. We were at the CVS the other day and just picking up prescriptions because, you know, we're fucking dying. Hey, hey Barry, how was the parking? Yeah, uh, the parking, it was semi ample. Um, and how was the mask? Shut the fuck <laughs> up. <laughs> Hate all of you. Anyway, so we're at the old people's store and, uh, the, the 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 people behind the counter at the pharmacy were mentioning that and this was exactly when it happened that that Betty White um, died, and and I I heard them talking about it and they were saying you know I don't I don't know who that is, and you you, you, no. you I heard this very clearly I don't know who that is oh oh yeah I don't I, I don't know I don't know what she, I don't know what she's done I don't know I guess she's famous. I wanted to like jump across the counter and beat the fuck out of these people, but it was—I think it's some kind of crime to do it because it's—it's a pharmacy. So I don't know. <laughs> yeah, that's the reason why Barry is because it's a pharmacy. That, 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 that's yeah. Why. Yeah. If I did it at like an Arby's or something, that's allowed. God knows it. Correct people at an Arby's. Director John Woo is prepping to helm a new action thriller titled Silent Night. This will be the first U.S. feature film that Wu made since Paycheck in 2003. Joe Kinnaman of The Suicide Squad is set to star in the movie, which is described as a, quote, loud action tale without a word of dialogue, unquote. Uh, The story will follow a normal father who heads into the underworld to avenge his young son's death. There aren't any more details than that at this time, but that's enough to make me go, hmm, interesting. Wow. Have you ever done a movie like that with no dialogue? Oh, oh, oh um, quite a few times. I think in the early 20th century. <laughs> Shut up. Back before the talkies, Mary. <laughs> yes, Boy. When they had no choice. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Recently, ding dong. Yeah, there's a documentary you, about it's that called, called Sound the on Sun- Film. <laughs> there's a documentary about that called uh, Sunset Boulevard. Yeah. It, it made a great radio show. Shut up. <laughs> Hey, old school radio shows were awesome. Well, yeah. yeah it depends on, on the show. And if you had Steve Biggs as, you know, one of your vocal casting. Maybe. I don't know. I used to listen to on, like, the radio version of PBS, like, the Cisco Kid. And, uh... How old are you? <laughs> <laughs> I wow. tons of old radio shows. Old, like, fiction radio shows. It was fun. Okay. That's cool. <laughs> No, I'm not being confused. Wow. This is this is rapidly turning into a bad second date. 
<laughs> well, we are about we are sitting about four feet from where we first met, which is weird. Every day that you have Sorry, no memory of. House, <laughs> I wasn't going to say anything. In everyone is about is is the place where we first met. It's it's kind of weird, but we're we're rolling with it. And Barry has no memory of it. Yeah, I was going to say, how weird yeah. is it for you? Yeah, it's not. <laughs> he uh, likes to just think it is. I'm told it is. <laughs> there you go. There you go. One of these one of these days, Barry's going to find himself in the corner of some forgotten closet, and he'll go, oh, now I remember. <laughs> <laughs> After he asks himself, how the hell did I get in this closet? No, we all know how he got in the closet, Jack. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, but no, you, know, well, no. you know that we are recording this from the famous Paul's old bedroom. Ooh. Nope. Yeah, that put oh. images in my head that I wanted. <laughs> that's uh that's Quan's old bedroom. <laughs> <laughs> no. No, dude. This was this Uh-oh. is the famous Paul's old bedroom. Uh-oh. Oh nope. shoot. Yup. Oh shit. I remember this very clearly. My room is Paul's old room, because it used to be gray. No, yeah, dude. that's why, Barry. It used to be gray. Yeah. <sighs> We're going to fight about this later. <laughs> that's a fine idea. Did Paul and Quan live together ever? Yep. Oh. Uh, <laughs> for everyone also joining us on this program, Quan uh, was a Ferengi actor. That's the character's name of uh, Ferengi at Star Trek The Experience. Jared. Yeah. Yeah. Netflix is developing a live-action adaptation of the Mega Man video game franchise. Oh, God, the project, really? Yeah, it's live-action. The project is an early development. The production company Supermarché may have confirmed the news. The company's website initially had a synopsis which is no longer available, though IGN reports that it originally read, quote, Henry Joost, Rel Schulman and their in-house producer Orly Roche Strauss maintain an active development slate. Features in the works include adaptions of Capcom's Mega Man for Chernin Entertainment and Netflix, which they wrote and are directing, unquote. Uh, the site still includes the Mega Man adaptation, but makes no mention of Netflix. And the streamer hasn't confirmed the news, though Chernin Entertainment has a first look deal with Netflix. A Mega Man movie has been in the works at Fox for some time, with Juiced and Schulman writing and directing, but Disney's acquisition of the company proved to be a speed bump. Uh, the Batman screenwriter, Matson uh, Tomlin, boarded the project in 2020, and the Mega Man franchise is made up of games, TV shows, and comics, and began in 1987 when the original game was released. So, it hasn't made official, but a lot of stuff in there looks like it's something that's in the works. I, I... How? Just how? Uh, it's because of the rich storylines of the, the franchise. What are you talking about, rich storylines? It's a dude who shoots energy shit out of his hand, and he fights monsters. And, and jumps you, around. I'm sold. Green light. <laughs> oh, God. Whatever. Move on. Yeah, if you take out all the dialogue, John Woo might direct it. There you go. You got a radio show. What dialogue? There was no dialogue. Well, that's the extra dimension we'll be adding to it. And speaking of extra dimensions, Mega Man. Thank you. <laughs> Move on, please. Move on. I like this. I like this idea. Let's do some red light, green light. Red light, green light. Such fun game to play. Doesn't matter what 
All right. This segment is brought to you by Deb Slide Tackles. Folks, are you tired of fake TV pitches, pitches by highly imaginative geeks with too much time on their hands? Well, with Deb Slide Tackles, all those hopes and excitement you generated from these fake pitches go out of that head. From Shock Monkey Industries, creator of fine products like the Stroke Wallet, Deb Slide Tackles, it's the most fun you'll have getting a concussion. Thank you, Jake, for sponsoring this week's show. Please let there be yes. a soccer pitch. Thank you, Jake. There you go, Barry. Soccer There's a... pitch! I There's... know what you did there! I didn't mean that. <laughs> that was He didn't even do it on purpose. I don't know from sports. Well, isn't that what you usually say, Deb, when you slide tackle? <laughs> and I bring this production meeting of Done Right Productions to order. It is time to green light a new TV show. I have four pitches here, and each of you gets one green light, so choose wisely. And I, I believe one or more of these may be fake. So the pitches you have to choose from this week are Red Queen. Back to the feature, killing something is killing the children and lives of the Mayfair witches. And we'll start with the first one. Peacock and Elizabeth Banks are developing Red Queen, a TV series about a dystopian version of America ruled over by a demagogic metahuman monarch. Uh, Beth South. I can't read still. Must be an hour and a half in the show. Uh, Beth Schwartz, who is part of Arrow and Sweet Tooth, will executive produce and show run the one-hour drama, which is based on the 2016 novel of the same name by Victoria Aviard. The author is co-writing the pilot episode with Schwartz. Here's a description from the book. The Reds are commoners, ruled by a silver elite in possession of godlike superpowers. And Tamer Barrow, a 17-year-old red girl, from the poverty-stricken stilts, it seems like nothing will ever change. That is, until she finds herself working in the Silver Palace, surrounded by the people she hates the most. Mare discovers that she possesses a deadly power of her own, one that threatens to destroy the balance of power. Fearful of Mare's potential, the Silvers hide her in plain view, declaring her a long-lost Silver Princess, now engaged to a Silver Prince. Despite knowing that one, <laughs> despite knowing that one misstep would mean her death, Mare works silently to help the Red Guard, a militant resistance group, to bring down the Silver regime. But this is a world of betrayal and lies, and Mare has entered a dangerous dance. So what do you think of Red Queen? I think it'll do well. I think it'll do well because, first off, it's the kind of thing I absolutely can't stand. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> young adult bullshit. Let's, let's evenly divide people up by red and silver, and everyone will pick a side, and that'll be a thing. <laughs> oh, shit, but she's a special snowflake. Special snowflake, there it is. Mary Sue, no, like uh, Jinx, the the whatever saga. The what was that called? You watched it for a hot minute. <laughs> first season. The first season. What was it called? It doesn't matter. Face <laughs> Jinx, the the whatever. The, the, it doesn't matter. Yeah, it's like that. No, uh, I hate it, but I know it'll sell. And it's about money, right? That's right. We gotta right. rack up that Ethereum. Yeah. Oh. 
The Winx Saga. Ooh, The Winx Saga. What's the name of it? Fate. Fate, The Winx Saga. Straight fucking crap. Three thumbs down. (laughs) From Barry. I didn't think it was crap. Yeah. All right, let's see how that goes against Back to the Feature. In March of 2020, the world came to an abrupt halt when the COVID-19 pandemic hit full force. Almost every industry was affected, but none so hard and for so long term as the movie industry. What happened when the shutdown orders came? How will it work under the new normal? What are they doing to get audiences back into the theaters? Coming to HBO Max is a limited documentary series back to the feature that will take a revealing look at Hollywood and how they've had to deal with the very real apocalypse scenario that is so often portrayed on the screen. The first episode will cover the initial concern from abroad about this new virus to the frenzied days of the shutdown. How do you shutter multi-million dollar productions all over the world in a matter of days, all while trying to get cast and crew to safety? Directors, producers, actors, and studio executives will tell their stories of those dark and frantic days. And the following episodes will deal with the question of what happened next. While filming had to come to a halt on many productions, making the film had not. New technologies and techniques had to be invented and refined to do many things thought impossible to do remotely just a few months prior. From editing, music scoring, table reads by Zoom meetings, a business that relied on so much personal collaboration had to adapt or die, culminating in eyes, getting eyes back to the film's that were made and getting people back into the theaters. <laughs> something didn't seem right there, did it? <laughs> yeah, something was weird. <laughs> but it's the best line of the pitch. I'm now interested. <laughs> Unprecedented deals were made with studios from the Warner Brothers HBO Max agreement to cooperating with theaters to jumpstart their businesses while the pandemic continued. Theater owners, health experts, and others will cover what was done in order to get audiences back to the cinema again to experience Hollywood's feature presentation. Back to the Feature is slated to air mid-2022. What do you think of Back to the Feature? Is this our I... first documentary? Uh, as I far as so. a TV show, I think so, but uh, it, it's rare that a documentary gets out there that's that works for this sort of thing. I mean, I do like my documentaries, so I mean, sure, why yeah. not? And and it's got back to the, which is an instant sell for Jeff anyway. <laughs> Indeed, true. So yeah. I'm told. <laughs> I like the idea. I really do. I think I think I think it'll do well because this is the first real. Like how COVID affected an industry documentary I've heard of, and uh, if it's released timely, then yeah, it's it's good timing, and uh, I I would green light that. All right. Any other thoughts of Back to the Feature? Then we'll move on to something is killing the children. Mike Flanagan and his producing partner. Trevor Macy are co-writing a pilot adapting Something is Killing the Children, a hit horror comic from Boom Studios written by James Tinian IV for Netflix. In Something is Killing the Children, the children of Archer's Peak have gone missing. And while few children ever return, those that do have terrible stories of horrible creatures that live in the shadows. Their only hope of fighting and eliminating the threats is Erica Slaughter, a mysterious stranger who believes the children and kills the monsters. 
If you're thinking Buffy the Vampire Slayer, think again. This is far darker and sadder work than Whedon's show. The Eisner, Harvey, and Ringo award-winning comic has sold more than 1.2 million copies since its launch in September 2019. Though originally conceived as a limited series, Something is Killing the Children wound up becoming an ongoing series due to its massive critical and commercial success. And uh, Trevor Macy will be serving as showrunner. So what do you think of Something is Killing the Children? I mean, strong female lead character. It's always a, a good sell. Killing children always rates high in my book. Always a good <laughs> Wow. Any other thoughts on? <laughs> I'm sorry. I don't know anything about it. It sounds interesting. I just, I, I don't know anything about it. So, I can't say. All right. So, we'll, we'll move on to the final one. AMC Studios announced they are building a series around Anne Rice's Lives of the Mayfair Witches. Writers, executive producers Esther Spaulding and Michelle Ashford have been hired to develop the series. Here's a description. We watch and we are always here is the motto of Talamasca, a saintly group with extrasensory powers that has for centuries chronicled the lives of the Mayfairs, a dynasty of witches that brought down a shower of flames in 17th century Scotland, fled to the plantations of Haiti before settling in New Orleans. Newly anointed as Rowan Mayfair, a neurosurgeon kept in ignorance of her heritage by her adoptive parents. She returns to the fold after bringing back Michael Curry from the dead. He, too, has unwanted extrasensory gifts and, like Rowan and the 12 Mayfairs before her, has beheld the demon Lasher. Now, Lasher wants to come through to this world forever, and Rowan is the Mayfair who can open the door. The show would expand AMC's Anne Rice universe following the already ordered Interview with the Vampire series, which will premiere in 2022. So how do you feel about the lives of Anne Rice's Mayfair witches? Eh. 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 Feeling a lot of meh on that one. I don't know why. I don't know. It feels a little forced. I don't know. A little bit. It's all well, like there's... Anne Rice just died. Let's make everything we can possibly right now because it's popular. And as we know, not everything Anne Rice made is worth putting to screen. You you really like that uh, Dominatrix movie there, Barry? Yeah. It, again, not everything that she <laughs> uh, wrote was worth putting to screen. Just that one. Like, gotcha. That one was not worth putting to screen. So there you have it. Red Queen, back to the feature. Something is killing the children and lives of the Mayfair witches. Where do you want to put your green light, Deb? I don't know. Um, I'm torn between Red Queen and Something is Killing the Children. I'm going to go with Something is Killing the Children. All right, Barry, where do you put your green? The documentary, back to the feature. That sounds interesting to me. Like I would, I would actively watch that, put that on my list. Go, yeah, I want to watch that. That sounds, that sounds neat. So you're putting on your list so something you'll never watch. Yeah, yeah pretty much. But I will green light it. <laughs> Jeff, where do you put your green? I'm sure it comes as no surprise. I'm going to go with Back to the Future, um, not because of the title, but because honestly, of all four pitches, this is the only one that sounded even remotely interesting to me. I'm a sucker for anything behind the scenes with 
the cinematic universes that are created anyway, seeing how the movie industry in general was able to adapt to productions through COVID uh, fascinates me anyway. So, yeah, that's why I'm going to go with the Green Knight. Back to the future. Then, Kirsten, where do you put your green? Yeah, Anne Rice, I, uh, I don't know. It, it, the only thing that would interest me is something with vampires and Lestat. And even then, I'm not even, like, terribly enthused. So, uh, killing the children, you know, that's Snuffleupagus saving kids, right? Because, you know, only she believes the kids. And you that and actually... Sesame Street very differently. <laughs> and uh, that um, that actually sounds a little compelling. Red Queen, class warfare. I'm all in. Let's you know take it down. Right. Uh, we need some class warfare stories out there because right now we got a whole bunch of small business owners who, for some reason, think they're the oppressed class in this country, which is so incredibly fucking weird. And th- they really, you know, need to learn. But and Red Queen's going to gonna teach them. Yeah, really. I mean, they'll learn with the reds and the silvers and this special snowflake, which they think they all are anyway. Uh, back to the feature, though. You know, like Jeff said, insider story on uh, how filmmaking, the film industry, which I agree, I always find interesting. And as uh, uh, Barry said, I'm sorry, as Baza said. Uh, we're dealing with uh, a COVID-related documentary. How how a section of the world, the country, the culture dealt with COVID and how it was affected by it in, in reverse order. So um, yeah, I'm going to go with Back to the Future. All right, pulling it out completely is Back to the Fe- Future. That's what we're going to back. I almost said it, but I didn't get Jeff so, all excited. Right <laughs> there, he goes. He's Yep, he's excited. <laughs> now he's I, I, I can smell the erection from me. <laughs> uh, so which one do you think is fake? Uh, Deb? Um, I'm going to go with Lives of the Mayfair Witches. All right, Barry, what do you think is fake? I'm going to go with the Red Queen. Jeff, what's, what's fake? I definitely think it's either Red Queen or uh, the Mayfair Witches, but... I'm thinking more Red Queen as the fake pitch. All right. And Kirsten, what do you think's fake? Red Queen. Doesn't it seem fake... a little formulaic? Everything seems formulaic. Well, because it job. is. <laughs> good job, everybody. The fake one was sent to us by Evan Snoop to Malik, and the fake one was back to the feature. Ah. <laughs> And that means Lives of the Mayfair Witches, Something is Killing the Children, and Red Queen are in some form of development. I weep for our cinematic future. God, we got totally played. I'm just not going to watch any television, ever. Listeners know their audience. Yeah, this it's been Fuck. it's been a while since we had one that was not only overwhelmingly voted for, but completely hid in the... Uh, I, I would like to point thing. out that I didn't vote for it in any capacity <laughs> yeah, whatsoever. Yeah, good for you. Good for you. Now we're all stuck with garbage TV. <laughs> yes. <laughs> the takeaway I get from these every week is every week I find out that there's new garbage TV coming that I get to ignore. 
And if you have a pitch to send to us, write to us, comments at geekshockpodcast.com. Put pitches, pitches in the subject heading and write the body of your pitch underneath that. Uh, not in the subject heading, though, but in the body, yeah. And, and it's worse. It's worse still because not only is there garbage TV, I find out that the thing I would like to see is fake. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, really. <laughs> And I want to thank all of our Kofi members, but especially a Tier 5, Leon Mitt, Jeff Harris, Jake Godbold, Ozzy Madden, Mad Martin, and Fireball Whiskey Tier 4 members, King Vol, Deb T, and David Farrar. And uh, those in Tier 3, I've already started work on the next mini, so stay tuned for more information about that. I'll be posting pictures on the Kofi uh, to, uh, to show as I go along. Uh, uh, Barry created for me a special channel just to put the painting stuff in there so you can find it directly anytime you want to. And also in that channel, feel free to ask me any mini painting questions that you have for you painters out there. And until next week, I am Master Torgo. 80s Jeff. Commander K. Disappointed Vlarg. <laughs> and Deb. And we'll talk to you next week in Geek. Can I ask you any question in Torgo's Painting Corner? You can ask me any painting question in Torgo's Painting Corner. Okay, so if I say something like, so when I'm, when I'm painting my minis and I think about how much Torgo sucks, uh, uh, what should I do about it? I say take your inspiration wherever you find it. If it's in music, if it's in artwork, if it's, if it's in your surrounding, if it's for the love you feel for your partner or the hate you feel for Torgo, whatever it takes <laughs> to inspire you. Go with that. Okay. <laughs> oh, yeah, but, oh, okay. Yeah, but Torgo, he'll forget the inspiration five minutes afterwards. Yeah, well, yeah. We, um, we got to keep these shorter. It won't go five minutes, Jeff. No. Yeah. Oh! Well, wait, wait, my bad. What was that? I'm sorry. I'm sorry. What? Oh! She's that? referring to my lack of memory. His memory. <laughs> oh, okay. Okay. Oh, okay. All right. Thanks Pull for that clarifying. Shit right back. Yeah, yeah. Okay. All right. <laughs> wow as she said it i realized i'm gonna have to i'm gonna have to <laughs> you know what this show truly is the gift that keeps on giving <laughs> it really is and not just to, not just to the fans. <laughs> Six hundred and twenty episodes to lead to that moment was worth it. <laughs> I got nothing. I I consider that stars aligning. <laughs> I dislike uh, you. The parking is not ample. <laughs>